0: So retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History?
1: Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented.
0: On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town... On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof.
1: On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding.
0: And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with The Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner.
1: This episode of For F One's Sake is sponsored by Carfection.
2: Right, Chica, we should—we really talk about this before we record. But when you say sponsored, that means money, yeah? Not just—it's not just exposure.
1: And um, Terry, we'll talk about this afterwards. Okay, just—just just wait. Carfection on YouTube is the place to go for anyone who loves cars that are fast, expensive, luxurious, or just plain cool. I'm just
2: a little concerned that we've got money coming. There's not—there's like a a deal where they send us a mattress or they send us some fluffy dice. I mean... Yeah, Terry, not
1: not now. Come on, let me just finish this. So it features the best-looking car content anywhere online. But don't take my word for it. What, Terry? I
2: mean, I just... It's, it's just... We're quite short on cash at the minute because we've had to furlough Phil. Is it fine? Yes,
1: all right. Get okay. some money. Okay. For it. Visit i dot com Visit youtube.com forward slash carfection now.
2: I mean, I would say they should call it youtube.com forward slash carfection 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 but you know what that's the kind of place that i'll go for for a um place to go for anyone who loves cars that are fast expensive luxurious or just plain cool Hmm? anyway my sort code is (laughs) (laughs) twenty
1: twenty-five. welcome to for formula one's sake the hand sanitizer of f1 podcasts
2: we went missing for a long time and now we're very expensive
1: Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that hasn't made a single ventilator. Sorry.
3: I feel like we're not helping out with this pandemic. I mean, I've made one. You kept it for yourself.
1: Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that will give you 80% of the normal comedy value, but you're not allowed to listen.
3: Furloughcast. It's my new idea. We've basically stripped out all of the punchlines. <laughs> I mean, that's not that much different to usual, but Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: welcome to for formula One's sake the f1 podcast that's moving all its podcasting online
2: e-podcasts i've got takeaway craft ale from my local pub how is it it's a bit flat <laughs> and the beer's a bit shit too Yay.
1: welcome to for formula one's sake the podcast that may not be in a pub but we do have a sound effects library
3: i'll get the beers last
2: in. orders gentlemen i'll have some pork scratching please yeah, don't you stab him. Uh, what a fucking glass, you! Oh, outside you. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> road machines. That's not social distancing. Uh.
1: <laughs> Hi, Chigres. And today, from the glorious isolation in all our houses, we are going to talk about the 2020 Formula One season that hasn't actually started yet and may have already finished. Also, you can expect the 1986 Australian Grand Prix, coronavirus, esports, and a variety of tangents, probably. That's all to come. Joining me is a man who has been sweating in a garage. It's Phil Tromans.
3: Hello, everyone. I hope you're all uh, washing your hands and keeping away from each other. Uh, Yeah, I've been I've been trying to do some uh, keeping fit while maintaining my self distancing or social distancing, whatever it's called. So I bought myself quite an expensive trainer for my bicycle where it connects to the Internet and all this kind of stuff. I've basically been getting up every morning and going into my garage and riding my bike on the spot uh, in amongst spades and cardboard boxes and stuff and it's, it's quite fun it's not quite the same as going through the countryside but you know Alan, you can still ride your bike can't you? Well in theory you can but I'm kind of paranoid about the fact that Sod's Law now would be the time when I have a stupid accident and need the NHS at a time when the NHS is quite busy. Or I'd have to go to hospital when hospitals are probably not the place you want to be. So okay. I was like, I'll just stay in my garage. Nobody, nobody hurts themselves in a garage, right? <laughs> not one? I've literally I've lo- not left my house in, in a week, I think.
1: But how is your bike looking?
3: I mean, it's black with green stripes on it. and uh, So hang hey, on, what did you buy? You bought a thing, like you bought an expensive bike? It's a turbo though. trainer.
2: I bought, no, no, well, you, yeah, I mean, no, hang I could, on. You, you say a turbo <laughs>
3: trainer like that means something. Yeah, essentially, yeah, it's a really expensive internet-controlled bike stand. But it's been going well. I've done fifty-six virtual kilometers this week.
1: And what do you look at? Just the wall?
3: No, the screen it connects to a computer. It's a computer game. But Where's the computer? It connects to my laptop. Got a black and decker workstand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All the cool like kids are doing it, Terry. With.
3: Do you know?
2: I've run thirty miles this week. Yeah, I don't go anywhere near people. I don't go anywhere near people anyway. I run away from people. Just the way if I see a person, I run in the opposite direction. That's why it takes me so long.
1: Alongside him is a man who has a chair. It's Terry Saunders.
2: So here's the difference between me and Phil. Phil has got some uh, working from home isolation. So he bought... actually, can you tell us how much did you spend on your bike thing?
3: Uh, well, I, got, I actually got it for a really good price, but it's still going to seem really expensive. Uh, it was 595 pounds. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fuck hell. <gasps> but Jesus it would have been. Christ. It was. It was
3: a thousand quid when it first came out last year. That doesn't help. It's a really good bike stand. So I've been working from home.
2: <laughs> um, I've been working a lot doing BBC stuff. And in the flat room living, there's like a desk and a kind of like a wooden dining chair, which has not been good for my back. So the first week of it, my back was really hurting. I was in a lot of pain. Kept meaning to order one but every, you know, everyone's been ordering chairs online, there's big waiting list for everything. So one day I'm going out for my run and I see like a proper swivelly leather chair, like at the back of a building. Ugh. And I'm like, there you go. Mm. Perfect. Nothing wrong with that. Well, so I, I, I say to my flatmate about it, go look there's that building over there, it's got a chair at the back and she went, Oh yeah, that's the doctor's surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought it in Left it out in the garden for 48 hours. Well, I figured that would get rid of all the virus. And no, you... then That's I washed it. hours, for Did you sure. scrub it? I scrubbed it, yeah.
1: Well, I was saying happy birthday twice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Turns out it was his birthday. <laughs> so now I'm sitting in a, a chair that belonged to a
3: doctor. Weirdly, I was actually going to do my what I've been doing this week because I, I also bought a chair, but I didn't steal it from a doctor. Yeah, yours was £500 pound and connects to your bike, doesn't it?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, it doesn't connect to my bike. How much was it? Five (laughs) hundred pounds.
1: It's really good though.
3: I spent a lot of money this week. It is a really good chair though. It's a Herman Miller Aeron. I don't know. Why is it
1: so good? What does it do?
3: Uh, Basically, it's a super orthopedic one because I was having the same trouble. I was really having. For me. I mean, almost yeah. I was really having the same trouble. I'm now working like nine hours every day from home, and my back was absolutely killing me. I thought I'd get a new chair. You should have asked because there were actually two chairs at the back of the doctors. (laughs) (laughs) Chica, for the love of God, what have you been up to?
1: Okay, so well, we are we're in um, strange dark times, and what has it inspired you to do? Well, you've stolen the chair, Terry, Mm -hmm. and um, Phil. You've got a fake bike. Phil has spent a thousand (laughs) pounds
2: on things to sit on.
1: (laughs) Well, actually. This fortnight ago, what did it inspire Tom to do, the stallion?
3: God, I dread to think.
1: It inspired him to propose.
3: Ah, Yeah. Who too? That's amazing.
1: She's really hot. I was really happy (laughs) for her. Oh, that's awesome
3: news, Chica. So how did you do it?
1: Um... So we went for a bike ride, which you are allowed to do, um, Phil, but obviously we were very careful Mm -hmm. Um, and it was 21 miles of bike ride Okay. Um, and then um, we got to a nature reserve and we had packed a lunch box, so went to, it was a kid's picnic area by the car park, Uh sat there, ate some lunch. I was looking for the bin, ready to cycle the twenty-one miles back home and then turned around and da da He'd gone. And so it was beautiful. But the problem oh. is, so that is lovely. But then cycling home, you don't you can't talk to each other because you're cycling one behind the other. So it's great. And then you've just got to sort of cycle for 21 miles in silence. <laughs> you've,
3: got to re- you've got to reflect on what's just happened. And that's what marriage like. is like. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty good preparation to be like, one's always behind the other.
1: Right, listeners' corner then. Here we go. Tim Clay has half an eye on the teams and says, I think the Australian Grand Prix should forget Melbourne and go back to Adelaide.
4: Yes,
3: we'll be talking more about we'll
2: this in talking. a bit, won't we? We will be talking about the Adelaide Grand Prix, but... I don't know. Melbourne's quite nice for a Grand Prix. I think they should look. We're going to run out of races. I reckon they'll just have to do as many next to each other as they can. So let's just do Melbourne and Adelaide on the same
3: weekend. What did you reckon to the? Because we're of course talking about the um, the 1986 race that they showed on YouTube. What did you reckon to the Adelaide track? Because I, be honest, I couldn't really remember it from when it was on originally. I think it it's was, quite
2: right angle
3: I think I actually prefer Melbourne.
2: But Melbourne's also a bit of a weird track, isn't it? Because it doesn't really bring out great racing. I think what we can surmise from this is Australia are terrible at making racetracks. That's why they've and never had any good racing drivers. Who were the good Australians? You've had Mark Webber, he was a bit shit. Alan Jones Alan, flew to Championship. Yeah.
3: Ricardo, uh And, you know, some others, probably. Jack Brabham. Jack Brabham. Was, in Kiwi. was he? Anyway, yeah. No, I, I say stay at Melbourne.
1: Philip Morby has phrased his question in a very pod unfriendly way but he says lots to discuss on what F1 teams should do next around cost cuts when the 2021 regs should be introduced etc also fun job predict how many races we'll get for the season even if it runs into next year I'll go for 12 right okay shall we pick that apart here
2: okay first of all Um, there's going to be no races this year let's just get that into our heads none at all not going to happen Pubs aren't going to open till like, November or December, if we're lucky. We're all going to forget how to talk.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. The world's over.
1: We, we forgot years ago. The
3: world's <laughs> over. Okay, well, yeah, no, keep it Keep it light. Keep it
2: proper. <laughs> oh, e-racing will get more <laughs> fucking popular.
3: What about 21 regulations? Or well, 2022 regulations now? Well, it'll be 2023, I reckon. You reckon? we Are you going yeah. to push it back again?
1: What's the point in pushing it back? Well, Why?
3: nobody's got any time to do anything. They've it's got cool. to build a whole. They've they're got.
1: Both. They're not doing anything else. But they've Too got to a build and
2: design whole new cars. All the factories are shut down. They've got cars sitting there. They're not going to use this year, so they're going to use this year's car next year. They're going to use next year to design the car. But then they'll be like, going, "What well, we got? Oh, it's just, it's just a mess." And you know what? When thousands of people are dying every day, Formula One doesn't seem that important, does it? I was listening to an interview on the radio this morning about Ascot, and they were like, oh "We really should have Ascot going ahead." And it's just like, Do you know what, mate? No one fucking cares. All right, so
3: you're listening to For Formula One's Oops. Sake.
2: Look, I've been sitting in a room for two weeks. I've been drinking lots. I've been running loads. This is the first conversation I've
3: had. So you're going to get it all. I wonder if they... I mean, pretty much all the teams have got heritage fleets. You reckon they should just sort of delve into them? Because those cars are already there. wouldn't cost that much to get them up and running again. Or I can just have heritage Grand Prix. All the newer teams, just some of the other teams can lend them some old cars. So the 2021 <laughs>
2: new era will
3: be 1974. I like it. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Get all those massive great air scoops that they had. Was that 74 around then? Like the huge oh, I think, great think how much virus you'll pick hard. up with that though. <laughs> that was a bit later, I think, but yeah.
1: Mark Stokes says, Bernie Eccleston becoming a dad again and Project Pitlane deserves a mention. What AMG are doing with the breathing aid and other teams' contributions are worth celebrating. Okay. So, first of all, let's get the important bit first. Bernie, the dad, Disgusts. I went word. out of my Disgusting. house. Disgusting, that's what I think.
2: I clapped <laughs> 8 o'clock every
3: Thursday for Bernie Eccleson's
2: balls.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, apparently it's worked. Um, yeah, so at the age of 89, he's going to have another kid. So his wife is, I think, 43. He'll be 90 when this baby arrives. He's already got four kids, the oldest of which is 65. So I think it's going to be a oh. point where his. I think it's going to be a point where his new child is going to be younger than his great grandchild, which is oh, so very. I mean, it's got, let's be honest, he's going to miss some milestones, isn't he, through being probably dead,
1: like it's bare. Well, maybe even that. Yes, <laughs> I mean,
3: fingers crossed that that doesn't happen. Fair play. Good luck to him. No, he's only little disgusting. Well. Wrong. No, Okay.
4: I'm not good this. <clears throat> well, um, Pro-
3: Project Pit Lane then. This is the uh, the okay. teams all getting together. Less important one. This yeah, yeah yeah, nobody really cares yeah. about this. This is all the teams getting together to um, make important stuff. So we're in making like PPE and have they been making ventilators as well? All sorts of things. Toast. Yes.
2: Breathing aids that aren't ventilators, like super clever things that nurses wear on their backs well I mean
1: let's, let's start from the top I love the fact they've called it Project Pit Lane
3: yeah that took hours to come up with it
1: doesn't need a title but instead <laughs> they've given it like a really trash
3: Formula Wonder oh what was that? Uh, I mean it sounds like a sort of make a wish kind of thing but anyway they've made some things and have they have they just basically just gone send us the plans and we'll make them using all our stuff or have they utilised Formula One technology to, to make stuff like have we got sort I think of... so they've...
1: so so I think they've sent around the prototypes and Red Bull etc. and McLaren have said yeah we can make um, versions of this, but then Mercedes, being Mercedes, have said well actually I think you'll find we can make uh, a new breathing aid that no one's ever heard of before.
3: Wow! Um, so they've, so they've they come in are... a pre-season testing with something new and impressive. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, when, but, uh,
1: everyone's very excited about this. But in
3: that
2: case that would that would um, heavily imply that Ferrari have had a tantrum and threatened to quit <laughs> unless they get money.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Williams and have the made a green gas
2: rate so bad Ferrari that everyone who wears it
3: dies. <laughs> I'd try to think water like, but it just goes in the wall. <laughs> if it is competitive, this should be the twenty twenty season. Is who can save the most lives. Lives oh my mean God points. have a point system, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Televise it. Get Jack Nichols to commentate on it. Great.
1: Anyway, the current F1 grid aren't the only people doing stuff to help their health services. They are also benefiting from the washed-up has-beens. Ron Dennis, once of McLaren, has donated more than £1 million from his charity foundation to set up a service to give food to frontline NHS workers. And now I feel quite bad for calling him a washed-up has-been. So Ben Turnbull wants to know what Rob Dennis will include in his packed lunches. Precision-cut sandwiches... Linear bananas.
2: Yes, all that. No, I think it's more likely that Ron Dennis has just made one pack lunch that cost a million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> the first nurse to get it went, "This is amazing," and everyone else in the queue was like,
3: "Oh." I mean, fair play to Ron. You know, we, I'll be honest. I'd forgotten about him a little bit, but you know, he's pulled his finger out of his lunchbox and uh, and set this thing up. Because <laughs> he he also runs a a food delivery service or something like that as well that he started which I do about. Is it? I don't know. I can't remember. No, Abs- Absolute Taste, I think it's called, which is a terrible name. But um, he, he runs that as well. So he's got that together. He's called a few of his very expensive uh, CEO friends and uh, they're doing some, doing some good. Fair play to them. We've done nothing.
1: The F1 has taken to showing old races to make up for the lack of new ones. And Renel Bester says, I find it hilarious that in 1996 there were complaints on the low overtaking opportunities at Monaco. Fast forward 24 years, and it's still much the same.
3: I mean, there's even lower overtaking opportunities at Monaco this year. I mean, I haven't watched the 96. They showed them the, mon- the 96 Monaco race where Parnas won, and I didn't watch it. Have you watched it, Terry? I haven't watched it yet, no. Have you watched it, Chica? No. No, but I can, I can imagine that there were low overtaking opportunities. and I remember it It will never change. I remember it happening as well and I remember that there were low overtaking opportunities and I don't know why people are surprised that there are still low overtaking opportunities because Monaco's rubbish. But we
2: should have a moment to talk about Formula One are doing a good thing by showing old races in full.
3: I'd like them to put up every single race. Would be great. So just whenever you want, you can go and pick out ones you haven't seen before.
2: No. I'd also
3: quite like some earlier ones would be really good actually because 1986 was when I started watching and admittedly I can't really remember much about them but I'd like to watch some like Seventies and eighties, early eighties ones would be great, or sixties ones. When did they start showing the full races? I think it was in the eighties. No, no, surely. No, no surely because before then it was footed. like it was
2: like on grandstands. They just be like, we're going to cut to the full one. there's a bloke with a clipboard.
3: I don't think full coverage <laughs> started till the eighties. I think, yeah, but they must have footage, surely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they could they could get David Croft in to commentate on the old races. Brilliant.
1: But Phil Harvey says, A bit too short of notice, but I would love to hear a podcast talking about and leading up to Imola 82, the repercussions of the results with real quotations from those who were involved at the time and not just opinions of those who were not. So
2: why are so he asking us to do ask- it? Because yeah, what the hell are you asking us for? <laughs> all we'll have is opinions of those who were not involved.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was too... Maybe even one, depending on when in the year it was. I can't remember. This was the whole debacle between Villeneuve and Peroni when uh, they had a pact that they wouldn't overtake each other and then Peroni overtook Villeneuve. Villeneuve was really annoyed and he was still annoyed at the next race and he drove so hard trying to beat Peroni that he crashed and killed himself. So, you know, top quality comedy material. Um, I
2: mean, I think it would be quite a scoop if we could get Jack Villeneuve on. (laughs) And just say, "Oh God, nobody wants that." How your dad died? (laughs) Here's Terry Saunders.
3: (laughs) Hard-hitting question. How your dad died? How was it? I think that's going to be quite difficult because, yeah, Vilno's dead. Also, Peroni died a few years later, I think, in a speedboat crash or a plane crash or something. So, it's going to be quite difficult to get them involved.
2: I think he sent that to the wrong podcast.
3: (laughs) That sounds like a missed
2: Apex special. But so of course be fair, the house. let's be fair, Miss Apex do the three people on the internet doing a podcast much better than we imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's quite mm. hard.
1: <laughs> so, of course, not being able to leave the house and drive a real car hasn't stopped the world's best racing drivers. Because they've got computer games, Formula One and various other motorsport organisations have been relying on esports live streamed online to keep the masses happy. Will Bowen isn't impressed though. He says, how about the fact that everyone is trying to make a big noise about F1 drivers turning up on eSports events and no one really giving a shit? I've
3: been watching quite a few of them. Have you? I watched
2: one and it was so bad. (laughs) It was so bad that afterwards, I don't even remember. It was a computer. I think it was Melbourne. And I turned it on and one of the cars just disappeared. And then another <laughs> car crashed into another car because it reappeared on the track like it's fucking the Delorean on Back to the Future, and then yeah. lots of cars crashed unrealistically, and I didn't care. And then no, Jim I think Ericson hit oh, him. It's sorry. fine.
4: Jimmy he, Jimmy
3: Broadbent. Jim Broad ben? Yeah, he's a very he's a he's a very famous YouTuber.
2: No, he's the Who's guy from the you, Mike Lee films. I went there, I
3: did the whole thing that. picturing Jim Broadbent going <laughs> oh, thinking, oh oh I've driven into somebody else. Well, they kept saying
2: we've got celebrities. We've got Chris Hoy doing this. We've got bloody. The Proclaimers are driving. We've got Jedward in the Red Bull. And it's just like, alright.
3: Well, it's probably Jim Broadbent, isn't it? I've quite enjoyed them. I think I've watched pretty much all of them because there's been a few different people doing them and they've all been getting a a, a slightly bizarre mix of actual Formula One drivers, not quite Formula One drivers, like pro esports drivers, and then just random celebrities. That have been largely hopeless. They had one of One Direction, who was just so bad. He was about 15 seconds a lap slower than everybody else. I was joking about Jedward, and it turns out I was half right. No, this is no. They had him. They've they had Ian Poulter, the golfer, has done several of them. They've had the Real Madrid goalkeeper Courtois. I've forgotten his first name. What may may have slightly backfired on F1 is that all the pro eSport drivers. Like the the guys that do nothing else but drive these computer games are much better at it than the actual F1 drivers. So whenever they come of up against each are. other, like really? the top the top F1 driver might come in like sixth, and the top five are like people you've never heard of who are much faster than them. It's still been quite entertaining, uh, you know, in the absence of actual racing. But um, it's not the same thing. I mean, is different. this
2: happening with other sports? Is, uh, yeah, is there, like the FIFA cycling's been
3: cycling. Yeah, FIFA have been do- all the Premier League people have been playing FIFA. I got an email from Aston Villa today saying, "Come and watch us play FIFA." And I was like, nah, you're "All right." The uh, pro cycling guys have been doing, uh, you know, that you, you can get these trainers you see that connect up to the uh, to the internet, um, and they've all Please been. Please tell those, they've me they've you've entered a pro races. cycling race. No, Please I'm very. Tell I'm, <laughs> I have definitely not entered a pro cycling race. I would be absolutely <laughs> because you can see how much power they're putting out. And I can see how much power I'm putting out, and I realise that I would be out the back within three seconds, so... But the thing is, this eSports thing, I don't know
2: what people want from it, because if it's good, then people aren't going to want to go, what's the point of
3: going real racing? It's not a replacement, it's someone else. You know, it's, it's acting as a replacement now, because we can't go proper racing, but it's it's not the same. Everyone listening to this who thinks, oh, there's no Grand Prix
2: this weekend, so what I'll do is, you know, maybe I'll watch the Racing. Why don't you just read a fucking book or something?
1: Terry, this is not good for our podcast.
2: No, it is good. I don't want, by the end of this year, for us to have to be talking about fucking Jim Broadbent, some (laughs) fucking gamer who's never left his fucking bedroom. And he's and I I I hate to be a cliche, like an old man, talking about kids in parents' basements playing games. But I draw the line at fucking e-gamers,
3: e-racing sports. This is... Is this what we fucking come to? I happen to know a bit about Jimmy Broadbent, and he's, he's not some kid who, who lives in his parents' basement. He actually lives in a shed at the bottom of their garden. Not <laughs> joking. <laughs> um, but he, in fairness, he is quite entertaining, and he has done some actual proper racing as well, I think, or at least he's starting to anyway.
1: So, another news. At the time of recording, the first nine races are cancelled or postponed. Australia cancelled, Bahrain postponed, Vietnam postponed, China postponed, Netherlands postponed, Spain postponed, Monaco postponed, no, Monaco cancelled, Azerbaijan postponed, Canada postponed. Now, which of these are you going to miss the most?
3: China. Well, I mean, let's be honest, they're all cancelled, aren't they? They're not going to run any of them.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, postponed. Are they just saying that in the kind of, in the way they did with Australia? As in, we no, Aust- deal with that later.
3: Well, Australia's cancelled, I think. They've definitely yeah, said Yeah, but it's as in, in
1: the way they, they treated the Australian Grand Prix, like, it's all fine, it's all fine, it's all fine, last minute, it's cancelled. Well,
3: not in the same way, in that they've, the they've told us already rather than five minutes before it's due to start. But,
1: I
4: mean,
3: realistically, come on, when are you going to do it? It's There's going to be like no races like this year. Happen. I mean, I'm still not sure about that. There might be some towards the end of the year, but none of these But I
1: guess that there wouldn't really be much point in holding three or four, would there? Well, you we need eight for a championship.
3: Fun. Oh, hmm. so oh, we could go back to having non championship races where just they can let anybody turn up. Could have loads of guest drivers. It'd be like the esports or oh, old fashioned touring cars. Or when one of Jedwood
4: comes in a
2: Tyrrell. <laughs> that
3: would be amazing. If they can just give out a few, like they get the grid together. At, I don't know. Hang on, or, what was the two seater <laughs> car? Oh, the Minardi. Like a there you go, both of
2: Jedwood are in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is talk of a super season like the Wacky races have. So, you know, they'll start in November and it'll go on. So a season will span two years. That could work.
3: Oh, God. How many races is that? How many podcasts is that?
2: Well, we've saved a lot of podcast mileage. You know, we haven't done any yet. We did one pre-season. Now this one. I mean,
3: we've missed missed three, haven't we? We've missed Australia, Bahrain, and Vietnam would have happened by now. We should probably answer the question. Which one of these are we going to miss the most? Canada. China. All right. Yeah, China's quite fun sometimes. Azerbaijan's sometimes fun. Spain will
1: never fun. With no racing, F1 isn't getting any money. There is a genuine concern in the sport, actually, that some of the teams might not survive if the global lockdown continues. So McLaren, Williams and Racing, point. <laughs> <laughs> McLaren, Williams and no, Racing, No, that's how you say it. <laughs> racing, point. Point. <laughs> McLaren... Can we call them that from now on? <laughs> McLaren, Williams, and Racing Point have put some of its staff on furlough and cut salaries, and with races cut, that means any prize money next year will be lower.
4: Hmm,
3: not great.
1: If how much? No... Okay, so how much is a, is a win now?
3: Well, I think I think it's more the overall prize money for the year. Like at the end of the year, right. They get all the prize money that's made up of like entry fees and gate money and all this kind of crap. And if there aren't any races, then that money is much less. So even if they get through this year, the money they'll get next year, because they get their money like a year in arrears or something, will be Mm. much less. And these, I mean, maybe this is just, maybe this is the solution to the cost capping question.
1: Given this might level things out between the top teams a bit. Well,
3: maybe. The trouble is that like the big the big works teams like Mercedes and Renault and all those guys have got big money in the bank. They can probably cope with this. Um, as far as I'm aware, they haven't furloughed any of their staff, which I don't know if this is this happening globally in the UK. The government's doing this thing where it's like we'll pay 80 percent of your staff salary, but they can't do any work. So McLaren, Williams and Racing Point, who are obviously their own thing, they don't have big corporation backing, have done this to try and save some money. They don't have the reserves of your, of your Mercedes and your, your Renaults and your Ferraris. So, things are, look, things are looking shit for those three teams.
2: Well, it would imply that maybe uh, at the end of the year, Mercedes will give the NHS a massive bill and be like, "I oh, what, you thought we were giving you this stuff? <laughs> Wouldn't look good on next year's Drive to Survive. I mean, let's have a little brief moment about Drive to Survive. There's going to be nothing for them to fucking film. <laughs> <laughs>
3: still going to be webcam stuff of george russell racing and actually that was stuff. the one one of the one of the good things about what seeing the drivers doing esports is um, is that obviously you can completely see what they're doing as they're driving because they all have little cameras on them and watching george russell driving around australia and kept spinning and crashing and getting really annoyed with himself and was still telling off his friends for talking to him through the corners you just can't you can't take it away from the formula one drivers they don't like being. and i will while say
2: because they can shit talk to each other now. Do you remember that was a state of F one of mine that we should have car to car radio, and that has been proving very no, popular. That's a good racing. point. So once again,
3: again sage like.
1: Okay, so what about you know what about F one itself? Will will that survive this?
3: Well, who knows? I mean, half of F one staff is furloughed right now. Senior staff has had pay cuts. Probably still got quite a bit though, um, and they've still got to pay out all the money from last year. And they've got their shareholders that they They need to keep happy. But um, there's no races. No races, no money. What are they going to do? I'd be kind of happy if 4-1 was to end there. (laughs) Well, that's it. They've had a good run. It's it's had a good innings. I mean, they've done a thousand and something races. Been going, what, 70 years now? When does a sport end? That's a bigger question, maybe. But, you know, some things just kind of fade away but what should replace it and more importantly what should our podcast be called Crit.
1: tell us how wrong we are, you can tweet us at <laughs> For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For F1's Sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com and thank you to all the people that have donated since our testing podcast they are Cole Schneider
3: Thanks, thanks, thanks Cole. Cole. great name that's an American NASCAR name if ever I heard one
1: Philip Morby, who says, OK, so after enjoying your podcast today, I decided waiting for Racing Point to win could be a while. So have one on me. Daddy Stroll's Tracing Point better be good.
2: We should actually have a brief instance. word and just say, Racing Point, who copied Mercedes car to cheek a couple of wins and <laughs> ended up on a season where there's going to be no races. Ah, oh, that Lance <laughs> Stroll cannot catch a break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Golightly, who says good luck battling off the coronavirus this season. Figured some beer would help boost the immune system. Greetings from Luxembourg. Thanks, Thomas. Another strong
3: name. We have very interesting named people listening to this podcast.
2: I'm starting to think that producer Matt makes these names up just to keep us happy.
1: (laughs) 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 So you can join them and our regular donors when you go to Terry.
2: ff1s.com forward slash pint pint pint. Or it should probably be called Can 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 now because we can't get pints because the pubs are all shut.
1: Right, let's move on to the teams. Not the 2020 teams because they are not going anywhere except maybe into administrations. No, let's talk about the teams in the race everybody's been talking about. The 1986 Australian Grand Prix. Thanks to F1's YouTube channel desperately raiding the archives for something to show other than computer games, we were treated to the full return of the title decider from Adelaide. And what a humdinger it was! So Williams Honda, all Nigel had to do to win his first title was stay in the top 3 and not have his tyre unexpectedly explode. Yes, we have gone backwards 34 years and still crappy tyres ruined everything. What went wrong? He came from the start, then led again when Rosberg retired, and then promptly got overtaken by Prost and finished second.
3: Shouldn't Rosberg have been bleeped then?
2: Well, you're not, we're not bleeping Rosberg dynasty, we're just bleeping. <laughs> Maybe bleep that one, that's <laughs> funny, you see. That's a joke.
3: Right, so, Williams Honda, Williams Honda. It's a good livery, isn't it? Good looking cars, 1986, isn't it? marvellous It is. I mean
2: it is a good looking car except I know that Nigel Mansell is famous for being Red 5 and I know that I have a childhood fetish for Nigel Mansell but Red 5 on a dark blue background is a ridiculous colour choice still looks good though doesn't it?
1: no it doesn't, hey. it looks
2: terrible they what? could have put I Red mean, 5 on, a, on a, like a lighter background and it would have still looked
3: good is this your modern design aesthetic ruining your childhood memories of Nigel Mansell? Yes. Well, it was still it was still quite fun. So, Nigel Mansell, Nelson PK, PK Senior, not Crashy PK, Rosberg Senior, not the other. Quitty one. Rosberg. Um, <laughs> a fairly iconic moment in motorsport, in pretty much the intro montage for every broadcaster's Formula One intro. Did you secretly hope it wasn't going to happen because he was looking pretty good, wasn't he, till everything went shit? I did try to watch the race as if I didn't
2: know what was happening. Because, you know, like you say, it's the clip. You know that five seconds, you know what happens at the end. But, you know, I've never actually watched Uh, the race all the way through. It looked like he was dead set on to win. And it never really, not not occurred to me, but it never really kind of dawned on me properly that that was 1986. And it was six years until he won the championship for Realzy. Yeah. And he nearly won in 87 as well.
3: So... There was a while where Nigel Mansell was looking like an absolute abject failure. It wasn't his fault, though, was it? I mean, one thing that struck me about watching this whole race, actually, is just how many people retired and how unreliable the cars mm. and basically all the equipment uh, was. Like it was beautiful. so much
1: more exciting. Yeah, I mean, it stuff was. It was happening. quite exciting.
3: And the tyres looked brilliant as well. But the
2: tires is such because you know they, they did talk all the way through about it, they you know the Williams are going to go without a pit stop, which obviously you can't even do now. I mean, just the little changes where it's like they would have like soft tires on the front and hard tires on the back, and it just feels like you're in the Wild West because you're just watching it with modern eyes. Going,
3: you can't do that. You've got to have a pit stop. What are you talking about? And it's just like <laughs> no, it, no, it no, no. It was quite stark in some ways looking at because again, this is like this is about the period when I started watching F one, and I think maybe when it just little bits change every year, you maybe don't notice the changes quite so much but looking back now, like when they come into the pits and a good stop is like 8 seconds and everybody's just wearing shirts instead of full fire retardant stuff and there's, you know, crashes and they just leave the car there not even a yellow flag, just like, well, you've crashed get out, get out of the way, leave the car there, it's fine the bloke with the chequered flag standing on the track <laughs> as the car comes at him at 200 <laughs> miles an hour it was amazing, and I still in my head like '86 isn't that long ago, but it was it was quite fun to watch, and yeah, I felt sorry for Nigel. You could see when when he crashed that he was a bit annoyed. Watching that clip and watching him wrestle the car is you know that's that's just brute strength you need, isn't it? I mean, it seems like it did seem like those cars generally were being wrestled. We'll talk later on about the in-car cameras, which were fused for the first time in that race, but. Watching the cars... they I mean, those cars moved around. They're not glued to the floor with, like, power steering like they have. Do they have power steering now? I assume they do. I right. um, probably. I think they do. Like, they were properly having to muscle those cars around. They were moving all over the place. They'd move around when you brake. They'd move around when you put your foot on the accelerator. They'd move around through the corners. You were properly chucking them around. Whereas now it's like they're driving with their fingertips. blooming divas. Modern, they should get them all in 1986 cars. Brilliant.
1: McLaren tag. So, Prost's champion and Kiki Rosberg's four-year stint between winning the championship and eventually retiring was a mistake his son opted not to make. But this was his last race and he led from start to when his tyre went, a couple of laps before Mansell's. Were tyres just shitter then? Yes,
2: Pirelli were involved. And back then, you know, you know they always say now that Pirelli were told to make shit tyres. That's their remit. Well, they weren't told to make shit tyres in the 80s. And they still made tyres that gave up. But is it the teams? Is it the tyres? Is it the fact that we've been talking about fucking tyres for 40 fucking years and I don't care anymore?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> were they doing this before? Because I, I don't remember in enough detail the, the in-depth tyre dynamics of the mid-80s. Were they Were they just made to make the best tyres as possible that would last as long as possible and they just couldn't make them last longer? Or were they were they designed to do certain things like they are now
2: we'll have to ask that question when we make our Imola
3: 82 podcast with the experts that were there yes we'll ask Didier Peroni I I mean regardless of whether they were it was a bit more exciting because as you said it was in the commentary going oh leaving it a bit late to change leaving it a bit changed and then suddenly bang they all go and there's none of these just you know they start to grain a bit it's like no they just explode Everything was better in the eighties. Keke Rosberg, oh, he was looking good for a for a last a last win. He was off into the distance until then. But again, this is and he's always know, been. Uh, I've always thought of him as not not one of the better world champions. He's sort of you know, Jacques Villeneuve level.
2: Yeah, but even Murray Walker at the start of the race would say something on the lines of, "He's been a bit of shit this year." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well,
3: He nearly won. And then he didn't. The end.
2: But then Alain Prost just kind of became champion out of nowhere. Like, it wasn't about him. It felt a bit like, you know, in 2007 when Kimi Räikkönen won. Because all the others around him fucked up. Because Hamilton and Alonso just screwed each other. And that whole race felt a bit like (laughs) that. It's like, oh, it's going to be Senna or Piquet are going to win the championship and all Mansell's got to do is finish front at the end you just like go oh what Prost is champion I didn't think that was even an option was it oh
3: well no Prost That's was okay. in it was always going to be Mansell, Prost or PK but the fact that we Mansell get- was looking good and then he and then he crashed out and then pk was in front at this point because ros when rosberg went pk was then in the lead but he lasted like a lap and a half before prost just went past him and then that was it and that changed the whole thing so it was similar to 2007 i suppose when it came down to the last little bit um, mm. but yeah i mean it's well you know the old saying to finish first
2: you need to have some money in the bank
3: that's right <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, well done Prost. He's done well. Good on him.
1: Ferrari! So it's strange that the top three teams in this race are the only teams still on the grid, but Ferrari managed to screw things up, which is where we get the phrase from. Albereta got taken out right at the start and Johansson was also somewhere in the race, maybe. This I mean, was at look-
3: a, golden, a golden period of Ferrari, was it?
2: like when you look back on Ferrari's drivers of the past, then you have these years where you go, Kenny Albarretto and Johansson. And it's like when you go, I was watching some F1 YouTube video the
3: other day, and it was like, Ivan Capetti drove for Ferrari. And you're like, really? Did he? Oh. I'd actually forgotten that. Yeah, exactly. You're I like, mean, Alberto oh. was, was pretty decent. He won a few races. He was pretty decent uh, until he went to
2: Ferrari. That was his like retirement check.
3: I don't think Johansson hmm. ever won a race, did he? No. Nope. He was not. That I mean, Alboreto was one of those guys. Like he's he's like a Coulthard. He was you know solid. But, but I think
2: Johansson drove for McLaren as well. So it's like it's weird that he drove for the good team. He teams. drove for bloody
3: everyone, didn't he? Because he was I seem to remember he was in it for ages, but never any good. He drove for Onyx in 1989. I remember that much. I think yeah, I think he drove for about 15 different teams. But um, yeah, this was not. I mean, uh, Alboreto was their best chance of doing well, and he. I think you could see at the start. Literally, the the lights went green, or whatever the equivalent was then. The man with the green flag waved his green flag. And immediately, Alboreto crashed into somebody and was off. Uh, so well, they all the just the crashed.
2: They all just bumped into each other. The cars were so out of control. I don't think there's anything you can do know, about it. If you're in the, in the middle of the pack, you didn't have a chance.
3: Well, you know what that's like? Esports. Oh, stop it. Coming coming back like e- again. Esports. E- <laughs> it's, like it's like mid-80s F1. It's brilliant. Um, no. Where did... Where did, uh, where did Johansson go? Oh, Johansson got on the, he came third, did he? I'd have completely forgotten that. He actually got on the podium. Oh, fair play to him. Yeah, but only because everyone else crashed out. Okay, well, you know, well done. (laughs) For all us just taking the piss out of him. He got on the podium. Yeah, but what you're saying is Johansson is basically stroll. Yeah, let's go with that.
1: Lotus Renault. Senna was on his path to stardom, but Lotus were in their decline by 1986. He did okay until his car blew up, And the 7th Marquis of Butte had a sexy new in-car camera, which served only to show how slow he was. And he didn't get a drive the following year.
2: That camera was amazing. Like It's funny (laughs) what you were just saying just now, Phil, about how, you know, the incremental changes you don't notice, but if you go back a long way, and by chance, well, not by chance, just by the very nature of it, the start of the race, Murray Walker says, we've got new technology and it's the first time we're going to have onboard cameras which of course is something we take for granted now every car's got 28 cameras on it and then they cut to
3: (laughs) (laughs) with basically
2: what looks like a kind of broadcast camera in a kind of box made out of bent metal that looks so heavy I wouldn't be surprised if like the the left wheels of
3: the car are like off the ground (laughs) it looked like a sort of one of those fake security cameras you can buy for outside your house (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was amazing although the footage was actually pretty good I thought it would just be so like herky-jerky all over the place but it was actually alright and it was quite interesting to see because obviously they still had stick shift um, stick shift uh, gears back then and it was quite interesting to see them wrestling the cars around and, and stick shifting and all that kind of stuff and I can only imagine how that was back then seeing that for the first time but um, quite why they decided to stick them on Johnny Dumfries and Patrick Tombay's car who were never going to be up there in the uh, in the race, I suppose. But those things did look heavy. So you
2: know, Nigel Mansell's not going to want to fucking put one of them on his car, is he? When he's battling for the championship. No, probably not the most
3: aero of, uh, of things. So, <laughs> so probably so they went a... for
2: slightly lower teams. They said to Colin Chapman, I know he was dead by then, wasn't he? They said to whoever's in charge of Lotus, <laughs> put it on your shit car. We'll give you we'll give you ten grand. And They were like, yeah,
4: right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh yeah, Senna I i was kind of in my mind Senna was was up there, but he wasn't really, was he? He was he got lapped in the end before his car blew up. Yeah, so this was, was sort of before he was Senna, wasn't it? He was he up know, there. He's he, been in a couple of years I suppose, wasn't he? Was it eighty four? Eighty four he started. He
2: was you know, he was there. He was dishing he was he was batting it at the front in the first couple of laps, so he'd obviously qualified well. But then yeah, just didn't have the car for it. But I think he was you know, marking his stall.
3: Yeah, and then Johnny Dumfries. I still don't know. Much, I don't know much about Johnny Dumfries except that I know that he comes from aristocracy, and he was only. Did he do that whole season with Lotus, or did he do some of the season? Oh, I can't remember. No. But that was his last race because he was oh. miles behind Senna, and yeah, that he, he didn't get a contract for the for the following year. Ah, um, uh, the Gasly effect. <laughs> yes, if only Lotus had had another another team to demote him to.
1: Um, yeah, it was interesting another to see another
3: Lotus Renault. Yes, probably. Demote him to a caterer.
1: Ligier Renault. Can you get any more French than a Ligier driven by people called René and Philippe and sponsored by Jetan? You may as well have the fallen Madonna with the big boobies as a team boss.
3: (laughs) That's one for the kids. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody under 35 will understand that reference. Look, in 1986, Allo Allo was a
2: very, very famous way of referring to the French. And (laughs) if we're going to talk about... This context of the time it was in—that's
3: how we yeah. thought about the French. It was an iconic documentary. Um, yeah, Ligier—they were. I mean, this was. Too, so so at this point in '86, Rene Arnoux used to be really good, but was like on his way out. And then I think Philippe Alliot was quite early in his career, but was never particularly great, was he? Did he ever win any races? I don't think so. So, yeah, so. it's like this French team where yeah, they're kind of there being French, but not doing particularly well. Where did they finish in the end? Uh, oh, actually, Arnaud came fifth. And Alio came... Oh, they finished. Renault's finished. Wow. In the 80s. That is impressive. Yeah. I oh, know the way that's qualifying. Ignore that. <laughs> uh, they, were seventh, they were seventh and eighth. So, yeah, they were basically, like, best of some of the best. Out of the points in those down. days, don't forget.
2: Don't
3: forget. Yes, point. to yeah. sixth place. Actually, it's in those probably days. a bit harsh, actually. Johnny Dumfries. Johnny Dumfries scored a point. It wasn't enough.
1: Tyrrell Renault. Technically, now the Mercedes team. Tyrrell were the last of the Renault runners in what would be their last race until supplying Williams in 1989. Martin Brundle ran out of fuel, but in those days that was fine. <laughs> Philip Streff was looking at a podium place, but ran out of fuel on the last lap, which is a shame, as he'd never get on the podium again.
3: Yeah, he was a bit unlucky. Basically, Tyrrell completely fucked up the fueling in this race, is what seems to have happened. Like, Tyrrell's heyday
2: was so far before my knowledge of Formula 1. Like, you know, in the 70s with Jackie Stewart, great. I remember Tyrrell always being, you know, let's be honest, a bit like Williams now, a kind of team that you're told we used to be great but never are. And actually watching this was a kind of bit of a halfway between, wasn't it? It was kind of, they looked okay, but yeah, just silly things like, fuel and whatever else
3: because they Is carried off when was when was the last when did Tyrrell change to whoever they changed to who did they change to I
2: can't it was remember. BAR wasn't it so that would have been mid 90s no Stuart,
3: was it no uh, no Stuart hang on we've got to get our no, etymology
2: Stuart. here of the teams Stuart was no, right was.
3: you're right it was BAR wasn't it yeah so it would have been yeah end of the 90s 98 97 something yeah. like that and Philippe Streff who I completely Fess I had not thought about in 30-something years. I'd completely forgotten. Well, he hasn't
2: thought about you either, Phil.
3: He probably hasn't, (laughs) despite the fact that, you know, we share a similar name. Um, Streff? Yeah. That's right. That's what they call me. Yeah, you know, they did all right. Nearly got on the podium, but didn't, because of strategy.
1: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Zach Speed. Julian's daddy drove for Zach Speed. If you weren't alive in 1986, and I wasn't for four more years... Then Zaxby were basically manner but much shitter. Johnny P actually finished the race in 9th, which which today would have been a point, but it wasn't then, so you get nothing. Hoob Rothengatter was once called King of the Rats by Nicky Lauder, which coming from him is quite the statement, and he later went on to be Max Verstappen's dad's manager. This was also his last F1 race, and his suspension failed on lap 29.
3: Not a good race if you're on your last race.
2: I'm a Formula One geek. I've been following Formula One for years. I have never heard the name Hugh Ross and Gather. I reckon <laughs> that's someone that Matt's made up to buy a pint for us. That does not feel like a real person.
3: <laughs> I don't think he had a particularly uh, stellar career, which is surprising when you're driving a, a Zakspeed. Speed.
2: I mean, Zakspeed, Speed. Teams aren't called that anymore. Like, Racing Point, shit name. Zakspeed. Speed. Good name.
3: Who Brothengatter? Who Gatter did thirty F1 races, which like back two then seasons. was about fifteen seasons, <laughs> um, and he drove for three different teams. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a pint if you can name other, any of the other two teams without googling him. Lara. No. Onyx. No. But you're Footwork. in the right ballpark. No, that kind of thing. So he drove for oh, Lola. You've, you've lost your pint. No. Uh, he drove for Ozella and Spirit. Oh, Do you remember Ovella. Spirit? No. Nobody I remember wins. Rosella. that would have
2: been near my list somewhere.
3: So yeah, he actually did quite a lot of races, but um, 30 entries, 25 starts, because obviously back then you could fail to qualify, which I think they should bring back. No championships, no wins, no podiums, no career points, no pole positions, no fastest laps. So uh, that's probably why you wow. haven't he heard of him.
1: Benetton BMW. In the mid-90s, Benetton were a dominant force in Formula One. In 1986, not so much. But despite that, Gerha Berger had got his and his team's first win in the previous race, so he was probably rather cheese when his engine gave out on lap 40. Teo Fabi finished, but he finished last of the classified dra- drivers in 10th place.
2: I mean, it is weird <laughs> where so many engines and tyres and everything disappeared and gave up and all the rest of it. it was just You couldn't have consistency in those days. So from one race to the next... It was possible, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been quite hard to do a podcast in those days, wouldn't it? Because there wouldn't really be a narrative. You just have to wait till the end. And don't forget they had the weird rule of only was it the best 11 results counted towards the championship. I mean, so there were 16 oh, yes, races. They had,
3: which, which they were actually oh, really? talking about... Yeah, you could pick your favourite results, couldn't you? Or something like that. And they were talking about maybe doing that this season if they end up doing a few more races. Like, you can dump yeah. five of your five of your ten results or whatever. But... um.
2: I remember it having some yeah, wonderfully I mean, bonkers graphs
3: in the magazine. <laughs> well, you could, you could always argue that it was more Formula One then than it is now because you could be the best driver in the world, but if your team hadn't got their act together, even if your car was fast, it might just blow up at any minute or the tyres might fall apart. Like You really had to get everybody dancing to the same hymn sheet. Is that a thing? Yeah. To get a result. It was actually really, really, really hard to win a race in a world championship back then. But I suppose having said that, now you've got thousands of people instead of seven blokes in a shed building the car. But Gerhard Berger, quite early on in his career. I remember him much more from the late 80s, early 90s being really good. But back then he was a little kid. And Teo Fabi, who I don't really remember at all. Didn't he go on Even to like he... touring cars or something? Yeah, probably. They all uh, I think he all spo- did. He did sports cars, didn't he? Yeah, this was Benetton before they were Benetton, really. Quite a long time before they were Benetton.
1: So, Arrows BMW. So, in 1986, everyone smoked. This is why the Arrows was the colour of a 1980s nicotine-stained computer. Thierry Bootsen would go on to be a pretty decent F1 driver and pick up some wins, but in 1986, he hadn't quite got into his stride. Also, he was an Arrows, a team who would never get into its stride. Bootsen's engine went on lap 50, and was followed two laps later by the engine of his teammate, Christian Danner, a man still dreaming of the fourth place at the 1989 US Grand Prix that would be the highlight of his F1 career.
2: We've not talked much about the colours of these cars and how they looked, but Jesus, that is the worst (laughs) colour any car has ever been. Like nicotine-stained magnolia, like like beige custard, like... The inside of a accountant Manila wank folder. <laughs> I've run out of ideas.
1: Yeah, I'm googling it now. Oh, that's not good, is it? No.
3: Oh, just... I mean, that sounds like a challenge. I bet we could find some some worse ones. But it was, it wasn't a pretty car, was it? I'm not saying and the, not the worst
2: livery. Either. I'm not saying the worst livery, but definitely as a base colour for a car, the worst. Full stop ever.
3: This is your this thing for the th- 80s now, isn't it? It's the colour the color palette. Well, I was, you know, I was looking at all the colours. In fact, I even
2: downloaded a little handy uh, cheat sheet. Because, you know, you had the red and white of the McLaren, that's good. We had the iconic Williams. Brabham was blue and white. Lotus was golden, black. You know, Benton was all the colours. You know, they, were, they all looked pretty good except for the Arrows, which was just disgusting
4: mm. and not very
3: reliable both engines going within two laps of each other um yeah
1: lola ford this is chica reading this out but as you can probably imagine i left the f1 Bores terry and phil to write these bits because they go on about the old f1 but turns out it's quite hard to write fun snippets of teams from 30 odd years ago
2: It's not a year I particularly remember, being six years old, but I thought, you know, I've built up enough knowledge over the years. But, you know, when you get to Lola, it's like, you know, we struggle talking about Racing Point on a a weekend when we've watched them for hours on the telly. We haven't got anything to say. Go back 34 years to find out something about Lola. I've got nothing, nothing at all. I mean,
3: this was the... I did a bit of digging because, yeah, I also struggled to remember much of them other than Lola being a team um, and I've, obviously, Patrick Tombay and Alan Jones in their day were pre handy drivers. Alan Jones, a world champion in 1980, but that was six years before this. Both of these were in, this was their last race. So this was basically the old man's team um, of the, of the, the has beens. But interesting thing on this Lola team, it was run by Haas. But not that Haas, the other Haas.
2: Carl Haas. Gene Haas. Gene Haas.
3: Bob, I forget which one's Bob right. Haas. Gene, no, Gene Haas is the current one.
2: I don't know. The other I
3: don't one remember. is Darren Haas? Oh, fuck, what was his name? I can't remember. Carl. <laughs> was it Carl? Wasn't it? It Seems like a name you just plucked out of thin air. Oh, Tombe finished, but he was so far, but he was 12 laps behind and wasn't classified. And Alan Jones's engine went. So that was the end of both their careers.
1: Good. Brabham BMW. Brabham Patrese Warwick. Three names that evoke memories of engineering excellence. One of Italy's most successful F1 drivers. And a future steward that constantly gets things wrong. Both cars retired, which can't have pleased the Brabham team principal, one Bernie Eccleston, whatever happened to him?
2: Well, during this race, one of his children was 30.
1: (laughs) 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 That makes me feel quite
4: sick.
2: (laughs) 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 Sorry, Um, that's not all that's important, I'm sure. Brabham, I mean, Brabham were on the way out by then, weren't they? I think so. Nineteen eighty six is a snapshot of a lot of teams that were on their way out. I mean I suppose every year is in a way. But kinda of makes it all the more impressive is that, you know, even though
3: Williams are woefully shit these days, they're still going. That's actually quite impressive. It is, they've been going for well, longer longer than you or I have been alive. Or Chica in fact for that matter. There's three there's well, there's two of those three names that are um fairly reasonable. Patrese was a very solid driver. Uh, Brabham were a really good team in sort of the 60s and the 70s and Derek Warwick was also there do we have thoughts on Derek Warwick
2: I um I rang him once
3: did you yeah when I was nine years old
2: that's Why? a story for another podcast because <laughs> I was on a holiday and I Mom? found him in the phone book oh okay turns out there was a story for this podcast that was it
1: <laughs> Minardi Matori moderni
3: <laughs> that's an Italian name if ever I heard one <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So Nanini crashed his car, whereas now we'd have 17 virtual safety cars and three of the real thing before people on Twitter started complaining about how nothing is safe anymore. In 1986, they just left the car on the racing line for the whole race. Your F1 drivers, deal with it. Andrea de Cesaris. De Cesaris. Is that right? De, de Cesaris. De Cesaris. Andre, I'm just, oh. Andrea, i am just... Andrea de Cesaris. Do it again. Andrea de Cesare De Cesare. De Cesare. De Cesare.
3: De Cesares.
1: De Cesarish. De, Cesare-ish.
3: de, Cesare-ish.
1: de Ces- Oh God I can't say it. De Cesarish
3: With an S, not an S <laughs> H.
1: De Cesare De Cesare I can't say it.
2: Oh gee, if you ever die i think at your funeral would just be you <laughs> saying, to Cheserish, to Cheserish, as, you, as the coffin slowly goes away, to Cheserish, Cheser-
4: De-
1: to Cheserish, to Cheserish, to Ch- Cheserish,
3: This is the trailer. For this I think episode, we're done. It? Let's just. <laughs> just leave all that in.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> Andrea De Cesaris retired when his car broke forty laps in, thus continuing his career, notably solely for his slightly unusual
2: name. <laughs> Chica, in your defence, like me and Phil know the pronunciations of all of these names, not because we can sight read. Italian and Spanish names, because we had these names drummed into us as a child. So you know, I can definitely pronounce Andrea. In my de defence,
1: I'm not born for another four years. Exactly. So Why would I'm you not know? Don't lose sleep over this. Don't. De Cesaris.
2: Don't lose
3: sleep over Andrea de Chesserish. De
1: Cesaris.
3: <laughs> that sounds like a lookalike. It's, it's quite like him. He's <laughs> sort of De Cesaris. <laughs> this is a very Italian team, isn't it? <laughs> Minardi motori moderni, Andrea De Cecco Alessandro Nanini. One of the teams that has a,
2: a lineage right through to now, the modern Toro Rosso or AlphaTauri, is this
3: team. Yeah, and uh, by lap forty they were both out because they'd broken down. Uh, yeah, well actually no, Nanini crashed, but um, yeah. <laughs> That's all yeah. we Have to say about there that. Really. Shit. Both of them were were. F- <laughs> Drivers that I think they both stayed in F one for a while, but they never achieved anything particular. I don't think they ever won a race, did they? Did Did Cesare ever win a race? I don't think so.
2: Nanini won the uh, nineteen eighty nine mm. Japanese Grand Prix. Yes, mm-hmm. he
3: did. I take it back
2: because Senna got disqualified, mm. and then he, he lost his arm in a helicopter crash.
3: That's right. Yeah, he's he's one of he's one of oh. those drivers that did quite well and then was horribly injured. Which a, I guess is Kubica, better than, uh, if you will. Yes, he was Kubica for all Kubica was, or even kubica Kubitzish. <laughs>
1: Acela Alfa Romeo. So it's fair to say that Acela didn't have a great 1986 season. They went through four drivers, had 24 retirements, failed to qualify twice, finished only six races, and two of them weren't in classified positions. In Australia, Piercarlo Gonzani went out on lap two when the gearbox broke, but Allenberg finished, although he was 21 laps down. Still, baby steps. Oh wait, the season's over. This was also Berg's last F1 race. Crikey, silly season must have been mental back then.
3: It was all changed for 1987, wasn't it? Half the blooming drivers weren't there anymore. But seller is—I mean,
2: at the Alfa Romeo—that's so you know, there's a slight <coughs> lineage to now, you know, not really. But but instead of one of those teams, we're knocking about for a long time.
3: Yeah, it must have been a good decade or so. I would have thought. I don't think they ever did anything. No. I mean, I barely remember them, if I'm honest. Did they have any decent drivers? Allenberg, of course, Canadian driver. Uh, maybe one of the best Canadian drivers. They got a force in 1982. Oh, I, I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> the USA um,
2: West. USW, what's that?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. It was US, you, yes, when they had um, West. West. That's when they had two, uh, two US Grand Prix for some reason. It was a different time you no, could get away oh, with yeah. stuff like that back then. That was a big grid. 26 drivers. Yeah, it turns age. out in
2: 1986, a podcast would have taken ages.
3: Yeah, back then it was just number of drivers rather than number of races. Not many races, but so many drivers.
1: Okay, so that was 1986. What do you reckon? Should we do that again?
3: Well, they're, they're okay. doing other reruns on the uh, on the Formula One YouTube channel, so we could see what's coming up. I think we've had the 96 Monaco, and weren't they doing 97 Season Decider, I think, as we put this out, which I also haven't watched yet. Um, and there was so a, maybe... a
2: modernish Bahrain one, wasn't it?
3: I mean, I'm less bothered about that. I was probably from when we were doing episodes, anyway. And we could we just put another oh, old one out. No, that would be good. Um, what
2: if we watched a replay of a podcast of a Grand Prix that we've done a podcast for, then do a podcast say, on the replay and see how it compares to what we actually said at the time?
3: <laughs> I mean, that seems like a lot of work. I'm up, oh. I'm up for doing another one. Right. Maybe the listeners could let us know if they think this is in any way entertaining. <laughs> Is that or you racing
1: if you ever want to hear anything like this again
3: yes if you can bear the distant ramblings of some people that can't really remember what they were talking about
1: and now it's time for the state of f1 with terry saunders watching the
2: 1986 australian grand prix was a bit of a revelation Not the big fat tyres and the simple aero and turbos and crazy dangers of the 80s, but just how low-tech it was. Instant replays only happened when they had to because someone had to go and change the tape. And it was the utter dearth of experts that got me going. Murray Walker and James Hunt taking it in turns to speak because the BBC would only pay for one microphone between them. No cutting to Ted in the pit lane. No Karun Chandork or Anthony Davidson frame-by-framing a move. No checking in on Christian Horner, aside from the really awkward bit where they briefly cut the lines of mary walker and spoke to frank williams in a cupboard with steve Ryder. that was weird it was just the racing and the racing was well as we've said okay there were some good bits when they and when they happened the talkers would talk but mostly not much happened did we mind in 1986 No, it was 1986. What else were you going to do? There wasn't competition with Animal Crossing and Netflix and government warnings not to go outside and Prime Ministers in Intensive Care and mortuaries in London parks. It was a different time. You were sat in front of Grandstand, and I'm not one for nostalgia, but compared to what we've seen of 2020, 1986 was sheer bliss. And don't worry, I have a solution. I know my purview here is to tackle Formula 1 but there isn't any Formula 1 at the minute, so I thought it'd be wise to broaden my remit and try to tackle the coronavirus epidemic. And my way of doing this is everyone tonight, before you go to bed, change your phone calendar to the 31st of December 1985. And if enough of us do it, then maybe we can harness that cosmic 5G energy and all wake up, and Shaking Stevens is still number one because it's the 1st of January 1986, Terry Saunders is five, Terry Wogan is alive. Terry Waite is still free. The okay. coronavirus hasn't happened. Trump is just a rich bloke and 401 was exciting. Yes, there's AIDS and mm. Thatcher, but you can't have everything.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's worth a go, isn't it, at this point? I mean, what else are we going to do? Let's face what, it. What have we got to lose?
1: <laughs> so that was the State of F1, brought to you this season, whenever it starts, by Carfection. And we have got some big news about the state of F1. Terry, what is happening?
2: We are moving into mid-2010 and video content is the way forward. And so the state of F1, you're going to get to see my pretty, pretty face talking about the things I hate in Formula 1. And we're all set to do some filming, but a pesky virus got in the way. We're all social distancing. But it's going to happen. Video's going to come forward. And at some point this year... Maybe next year <laughs> you'll be able to watch me mm-hmm. get angry. Yeah, I'd watch it. Got nothing better to do. I could basically father your baby via YouTube, you know. When I say father, I mean look after,
4: <laughs> not father as in <laughs> yes. create. Okay. No,
2: I'll I'll be like a father to your baby. How's that?
3: Carfaction.
1: <laughs> that is it from us. Is goodbye to Phil tromans
3: Goodbye, we have not had time to talk about the fact that there might be, if we do get any racing this year, not only are they talking about running the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, but they're talking about running another race at the British Grand Prix backwards around Silverstone, by which I mean in the other direction, not actually the cars all reversing. Although, that is quite a good idea, so maybe I'll give Ross Braun a ring.
1: And to Terry Saunders.
3: We did kind of mention it at
2: the last podcast, but I haven't got around to it yet, but there are new t-shirts um Ooh. that i haven't actually at the point of recording haven't actually put on the website yet but new t-shirts will happen with our new logo and it's all very exciting and you should buy one because if you're anything like me you've worn all your t-shirts in the last two weeks and you're basically wearing the same t-shirt for three or four days and you don't really mind the smell anymore because no one else knows about it and in a way the smell's kind of quite comforting isn't it because it makes you remember that you're alive <laughs>
1: We'll be back at some point to discuss some future old races and how well Mo Farah did racing virtual F1 cars at Aintree or something. So set your calendars for that one. But in the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for f one sake. And follow us on Twitter at for f one sake. You can buy stuff, as Terry said, at
2: ff1s.com forward slash shop, shop. Don't go to the shops. Keep social distancing. Shop online. Shop.
1: Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you soon. I've been new dress. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye. Bye.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History?
1: Well, on Monday it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented.
0: On Tuesday we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof.
1: On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding.
0: And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with The Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.